You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Melissa. We're gazing at each other. <laughs> Reese is lying down, so this is a different podcast experience than normal. Yeah. I hope you can hear it. I'm in the I'm in the psychoanalyst chair. Parentheses, Olivia's bed. <laughs> Welcome to Marisa and Olivia's Weird Fantasy. I'm Marisa. And I'm Olivia. And today we're talking about one of my favorite things that the show Riverdale has ever done, ever, which is the five-episode event, Rivervale. I actually love that it's called the five-episode event. I think it's so perfect. It sparks a lot of joy for me because I feel like they are right. It is event viewing. It was an event. It's okay. So it's very special. We mentioned that at the end of season five, Archie and Betty fall into bed. A bomb goes off. This explosion triggers the creation of an alternate universe called River Vale. And okay, first off, the thing about River Vale is that countless numbers of people are gonna wake up and have a dream and the other thing about rivervale is they made it an alternate universe but then they didn't even want to stick to the things that they made happen in the alternate universe which have no bearing on the real universe and so even within this alternate universe you have a it was all a dream moment like so many times so in the first episode called welcome to rivervale you know classic we open on our best friend jughead as rod serling of the twilight zone and they really do it he has his hair slicked back he is officially narrator jughead like this is a different jughead than the one we're speaking to the camera jughead and it's kind of the first time that they really made that distinction because jughead has always been the narrator and we've seen him writing at points But this is the first time that we're getting a separate narrator Jughead. And, like, there is no more classic narrator that they could have him emulate than Rod Serling. Because he really introduces Rivervale. He welcomes you to the universe. And it's so good. And the very first person who wakes up from a dream and says, "What what a crazy dream, is Mr. Archie Andrews, who's like, I had a dream that a bomb went off under our bed. Wouldn't that be crazy, Betty? And Betty's like, yeah, that would be crazy, but that didn't happen here in Rivervale. (laughs) And then the rest of the episode, pretty much everything in Rivervale is how it was in season five of Riverdale at the beginning. So the first episode, you are dealing with some of the fallout of the last episode of season five, which is Cheryl remembering that she was burned at the stake in one of her many, many past, past, past lives. And she has a thousand, like, lesbian orphans. Yeah. That she's just kind of dealing with. Yeah, she's become, like, the headmistress of a lesbian orphanage slash school for girls. Which... As we'll learn, is what she's always done. Yeah. (laughs) Because in Riverdale, you can never escape, and that's true in Rivervale as well. 
So Cheryl and her lesbian orphans decide they're going to solve all of the town's problems. And you can tell they're up to something, but not quite what yet. So like, Betty's like, oh, I want to get pregnant, but I'm infertile. Jughead and Tabitha have bugs in their house, which is like a much lamer <laughs> thing to be dealing with. Yeah, their whole arc here is that they need to call an exterminator. And it's funny because, you know, they really set this up as the Twilight Zone version of Riverdale. And in the first episode, some crazy things will happen, but the craziest thing they could imagine happening to Jughead is that he has a bug infestation. Baby Anthony is colicky. Oh no. So Fangs and Tony are like, we can't get any sleep because baby Anthony is colicky. They also never refer to him as Anthony. He's always baby Anthony. And it does beg the question, as my beautiful girlfriend Piper brought up, is his first name Baby? And you know what? I hope it is. I hope that they show us his birth certificate at some point <laughs> and it says baby, middle name Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Baby Anthony Topaz. Perfect. He does not have Fang's last name. Of course not. You're right. <laughs> so basically everyone is having these issues, as you've heard, some more minor, some more major, I guess. Like all of them feel like they could be solved by medicine or an exterminator. <laughs> but no. What Cheryl's plotting is that she fixes everyone's problems for them if they agree to do something. Right. And the episode is keeping us in the dark. Cheryl's like, I'm gonna host a fun fair. The fair is just midsummer. Yep. <laughs> She's like, I'm gonna host a fun fair for everyone. Then there is a pie eating contest. No, wait, a waffle eating contest? Let's just say a bunch of foods and later we'll edit in the correct okay. one. There's a pie eating contest. There's a cake eating contest. There's a pancake eating contest. There's a waffle eating contest. All, okay, there is a contest where they eat a lot of food. I think we should actually just leave all <laughs> I know. of that. There is a contest in which Jughead and Archie eat a lot of food. And at the end, Archie wins a pie that has all of the sins of the town in it. Yes. <laughs> I know that, I, God only knows what food they eat in the contest, but I know that it's a pie with all of the sins. Y'all ever bake a pie? With all of the <laughs> sins of the town. And then Archie literally is sacrificed for the town. Everyone is like, we're gonna sacrifice Archie. And Archie's like, you can't sacrifice me. I'm not a virgin. And Cheryl's like, too bad. Sin pie. <laughs> And then they, like, tear his heart out, they, right? Cheryl literally tears his heart out, which is kind of sexy of her. Pan out Rivervale, the town with heart. Yes! What we're referring to is the fact that in Rivervale, they change the, like, town welcome sign every episode. And it's one of my favorite things. It's really great. So normally the Riverdale slogan is the town with pep. Which has always been a little funny. But now, every episode, they're doing a little winky face. They're doing the town with heart. Yep. Archie's heart. Or maybe the town is Archie's heart. Well, I was gonna say, like, the fact that Archie dies and then they're like, it's even darker. Yeah. I mean, that really is how they signal the shift of how fucked up River Vale is and how none of the rules of Riverdale will apply is they're like, yeah, and we're killing Archie in the first episode. Also, another thing that happens is, like, quickly before Archie dies, pretty much everyone is telling them that they love him. Like, the five-episode event of Riverdale is about how saying I love you is one of the worst things you can do to someone, because Jughead really says I love you to Archie right before he lets him eat that sin pie. Aww. 
And then, like, in the next episode, in which Jughead and Tabitha are, like, reenacting murders that have happened in their home. Well, one murder in particular. They're, like, kind of being possessed by the spirits of these doomed couples that lived in their apartment before them. Yeah, like, this this doomed couple where, like, one of them was a waitress, and one of them was a writer, and then it ended in a murder-suicide. And it's, like, clearly just Jughead and Tabitha. <laughs> they also, Tabitha literally about to bash Juggy's little brains out. And then they're like, haha, I love you, we banished the ghosts. <laughs> I love how quickly they get over things. So Archie's dead. We're living in a post-Archie world. For but a moment. Betty is pregnant, but then she loses the baby because La Llorona. The second episode is about La Llorona. (laughs) Someone heard a story. (laughs) (laughs) So So also, like, La Llorona is like a pretty famous comes, is kind of killing kids left and right, trying to drown Juniper. Yeah. La Llorona is being channeled through one specific person. Yeah. Like, again, it's all about cycles of trauma. So it was like, she was drowned in Sweetwater River for something she didn't do. And so now she's haunting the town of Rivervale. And the solution that the characters come up with, this is one of the most boring episodes of Rivervale We're We're jumping through the first couple because they don't matter. What happens is, baby Anthony is stolen. Tony is like, don't hurt my fucking kid. And then her solution is that she will become La Llorona in order to protect baby Anthony and take all of the pain away from this other woman. And so she leaves baby Anthony with Betty. Even though she has, like, a whole-ass father. Yeah, it's very funny when she's, like, gives baby Anthony to Betty and is like, take care of him. He has a dad. To be fair, his dad didn't defend him from La Llorona, but it's like, now you're La Llorona, so I feel like you've fixed the issue. Yeah, like, maybe Fangs won't have to defend baby Anthony anymore. Fangs is so stupid. I love him. Yeah. Okay, so again, this episode, no meat. Like, baby Anthony, not in the rest of the series. (laughs) Simply not important. (laughs) Nobody cares anymore. I don't think we've seen baby anthony since he was first introduced we just see them holding like little bundles (laughs) yeah and they're like oh baby anthony they talk about baby anthony so much more than we see baby anthony which good don't put a baby on camera we don't need another child actor involved in this so that's the second episode the third episode is less boring but the most stupid it's dumb what happens in the third one is Lewis Cipher comes to town. Yeah, you guessed it, Lucifer. Why didn't they just make him a hot girl named Lucy? D- fucking beats me. But so Lewis Cipher comes instead of being a hot girl named Lucifer. It's just kind of an ugly British guy, and he, very similar to Cheryl in episode one, is offering people things they want. The things that they want. Kevin wants to be famous on Broadway. The devil's like, sure, I'll take your soul for that. (laughs) Jughead does an interview with the devil, and the agreement is that he can publish this interview and then get incredibly famous, but never be able to write again, or not publish this interview. But just know everything that the devil knows and never be able to publish it. Or he could just not do the interview with the devil at all, and continue his life as it is, with no weird curse on his writing abilities. I also feel like 
not to be stupid, but why did he just sell his soul to the devil for being famous for writing? I know, because then he could have had his cake and eaten it too. Yeah, real stupid behavior. But Jughead chooses to do an interview with the devil and then print it. And also, it's really funny because everyone's so excited about it, and I'm like, are people believing in it? Is it? Are people like, this is crazy fiction? I guess the, it's Rivervale, and like everyone's encountering the devil, so I guess the people of Rivervale believe it. Yeah, but then wouldn't the devil, like, tell him what everyone had done? So wouldn't, like, Kevin's fame feel obsolete then? Yeah, like, also, to be honest, what's the devil gonna say? If this devil is the one who is controlling fame in this world, and, like, he's able to ensure success in this way, I want to know who who's made a deal with him. Like, I guess that's true. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, imagine that the devil gets up there and he tells you that, like, Camilla Cabello sold her soul and that's exactly the amount of fame she got, even though she literally sold her soul for it. That's interesting. It is like, are some souls worth more yeah, in this because, universe? Because it's like, Havana really was a banger. And then, like, what else did she do? I can imagine that that was, you know her one song that she was allowed to make and then she was never allowed to have success again and that's why she was in Cinderella this year yeah no you actually that is interesting I guess that would be worth an interview but at the same time it's like when you just kind of be like what's hell like and then it's like what are you gonna do with that knowledge I don't want to know that's boring jug yeah I guess I guess I would love to know the craziest sin the devil's ever seen (laughs) also like does the existence of the devil like kind of cancel out other religions or do you think it's kind of chill yeah it's a very kind of pseudo-christian devil you know the personified devil that we can all picture with a thin little face and a He wears a suit and pointy shoes, you know? Yeah. The thing that was funny about the devil is the thing, like, so the reason he came to Rivervale to begin with is that Reggie promised him Veronica's soul for the success of their casino. Which, again, like, I just feel like if you're bad at business, just stop. Also, you promised your wife's soul for a thing that your wife wants? Like, don't you realize that's gonna bite you in the ass in, like, two weeks? Also, not even his wife. They have not been dating <laughs> oh, long so enough. you're so right. You're so like, right. Like, literally his girlfriend, again, with I love you's being evil. In this episode, they say I love you for the first time. Reggie then promises Veronica's soul to the devil and is like, you'll figure a way out of it. Terrible plan, Red. (laughs) Then Veronica's plan out of it is that she sells Reggie's soul to the devil along with one skeezy dude in the casino per week. (laughs) That's so many. Yeah. She's like, you know what's worth my soul? Reggie's soul plus a man a week for the rest of my casino's success. And she's right for that, I guess. Honestly, she is. I... I mean, this is a little, not a season six spoiler, but I love Veronica in season six more than I have loved her since she was so gay for Betty in season one. Yeah. And so, like, she's right that her soul is worth Reggie plus man times X, you know? And then finally, the other person who sold his soul to the devil was Pops who has been selling it in a long lineage of Pop's family members. Yeah. No one, Tate's. No Tate is allowed to have a soul. Because Pop's is the soul 
of Riverdale. So technically the soul of Riverdale is sold to the devil. It's all very convoluted. Family is evil. Being in love is evil. And if you are the soul of a town, in a way, you have already given up your soul. Which is what I have to say about them not letting Pops retire. So true. Why is that man working? Let him go back to Florida or wherever. Yeah, like, isn't he, like, in physical pain on his feet all the time? He has a heart attack! It seems like a solution to that problem would be him not having to work at a restaurant anymore. But they get out of this situation, the pop situation. Veronica gets out of her situation by selling Reggie's soul, as we've said. But they get out of the pop situation because an angel named Raphael comes to Pops, sees Tabitha be nice one time, and then is like, you seem like a good person. I'm so sorry the devil's been around. Like, let me help you out. But only for Tabitha. Like, they're right. Like, Tabitha is the person who deserves love. Honestly, yeah, Tabitha is an angel. So Pops, Tabitha, fine. Everyone else, simply fucked. Yeah. I mean, you end this episode with multiple people in debt to the devil. And then episode four, Lesbian Cheryl, times three. It's an amazing episode. It's It's filling in the historical gap in the archive that should be dedicated to lesbians, but even though this will directly contradict what I just said, it is also playing off the fact that people only like lesbians if they're in period pieces. Yes, I feel like it really is capturing the moment. The media lesbian thing. Yeah, it's really fun in the way that it weaves together three stories, which is also a classic lesbian movie thing. Like, Mm -hmm. every lesbian movie is like, have you considered that sometimes three generations of women were gay? And they were never allowed to be gay. Think about that and be sad. (laughs) So it is 1890. We have Abigail Blossom burned at the stake, running a lesbian orphanage. Being a little lesbian philanthropist. Then we have Poppy Blossom in the 1940s. A communist. She's not a communist, she just supports free speech? Sure. She's like, it's very funny. She's not a communist, you're right. She's not a communist, but she does wear a lot of red because that's her signature color. Yeah, because she's Cheryl. It's all played by Cheryl. But in in the 1940s, she's not running a little lesbian commune. Instead, she is running just like a girls group. It's kind of like a fun little, like, pro-choice beginnings of birth control girls group yeah like it's uh, like a it's supposed to be almost like a precursor to like consciousness raising groups yeah it has all the actresses in cute little 1940s outfits yeah they look great yeah you're so right they are doing like birth control yeah and then we have cheryl blossom in the present where there is a comet coming nana blossom and cheryl and britta are all up to something britta is our like primary lesbian orphan She's the child that Cheryl, like, adopted from her homophobic family. And then it's also a crossover episode with The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So Sabrina Spellman comes and is, like, helping them do this little ceremony. Sure, that meant something to the Sabrina Naders. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Sabrina Naders are going crazy. (laughs) But it meant nothing to me. It meant nothing to me. I said, okay, hi, girl. I have a confession, which is that even though I am an Archie Comics girl, I always skipped over the Sabrina stories. I I just like Betty and Veronica. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, I've never watched Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, so what am I going to say? Yeah, 
Yeah. I'm a Riverdale girl. <laughs> but, so these, these narratives weave together. Abigail Blossom welcomes this random woman into her home and then falls in love with her. And they're doing so period piece lesbian movie. It's Tony Topaz. It's Tony Topaz called Something Stupid. Yeah, her name's like Thomasina. <laughs> her name is Thomasina. <laughs> and then Fangs comes and like was in the war with Cheryl's brother and is like, I'm supposed to marry you putting my little hair behind my <laughs> ear. Turns out he's a warlock. Yep. He's straight up a warlock. And he murders Tony and then curses Abigail so that she can like never be with her true love, even in death. Yeah, she like can never love again and she like will haunt the spirits of future lesbians and shit. So then in the 1940s we have Poppy Blossom, her forbidden love, Bitsy. Yep, we finally get the Cheryl and Betty gay kiss that's not incestuous because in this universe they are not related. Wow, you're so right. They said this is a ship that no one has because it would be incest, but we're making it not incest. Yeah, they introduced the idea to us and said, you can't have it IRL, but... And in this one, we have Jughead playing an abusive husband. Yeah. Basically, all the husbands are just being shitty. Like, one of them finds out that Poppy gave his wife birth control or, like, some other thing. And they, like, show up to Poppy's house and... They, like, threaten to beat her up and then she's arrested. Yes. For being a communist, even though she isn't. All the men are evil in it. Like, there's yeah. not a good man, which is kind of fun. Like, I like that they were like, we're doing... Cause it's they, Cheryl gays. Yeah. Like, it literally is... They said we're doing lesbians. Yeah. And we're doing lesbian period pieces, so everyone's unhappy. All men are evil. It's a lesbian period piece, so every lesbian has to be in the most horrible, abusive relationship you've ever seen. What happens with Bitsy and Poppy is that Poppy is arrested... And then they agree to let her out of jail to help Bitsy give birth because there's complications at the hospital. And, like, Poppy's the only person Bitsy will trust. Which is, like, ah! Yeah, and then they have a moment. They have a beautiful moment, and then they steal Poppy away, and they're like, well, you're no longer in jail, but you're gonna be under house arrest. So now she's haunting Thistle House again. Yeah. And then finally we get to Cheryl's modern-day plot, And Britta is like, what is all this about? And what you discover is that the immortal soul of Abigail Blossom (laughs) has been the person connecting the three stories. Because there has been no Cheryl, and there was no Poppy. They were all Abigail. And that's why it's all the same actress, and that's why Cheryl talks so weird all the time. And honestly, literally makes perfect sense. It actually explains Cheryl's character better than anything else. It's kind of funny, because this whole thing where they have the present actors play past generations kind of starts with the Midnight Club Mm -hmm. in season three. And then they just continue doing it with all these different flashbacks and historical moments in Riverdale and Rivervale. And also it's kind of like the comics as well, where you can put them in every situation. Like, I love that as a piece of Riverdale and Rivervale. Yeah, and also with the comics, you can see the same character of Betty throughout, like, any decade, which is why it's so fun whenever they have, like, one of these 
flashback period piece moments where you know they kind of look like the early comic book characters that are drawn in like the 40s also i love when they give the costume designers like opportunity to do really cute period looks yeah they always look adorable in those and that brings us to the final episode of rivervale the jughead paradox my favorite episode of riverdale and rivervale my favorite episode possibly of no i forgot about the fact that I like other shows. My favorite episode of Riverdale. <laughs> it's definitely up there for me. I feel like I say this about so many things, but I mean it so earnestly that this episode is for the girls. I genuinely don't know. Like, I think that it would maybe be incomprehensible to someone who hadn't seen most of Riverdale. Yeah, it's it's an episode for fans. So the way that the episode 100, The Jughead Paradox, starts... Also one of the few episodes not named after a movie. Great point. It is like, they are really like, this is Riverdale. Yeah. Even though it's still Rivervale. But it is the Jughead Paradox, which is kind of, I believe, becomes like a framing device for the whole show. Like, I think that it functions in the way where if you take what happens in the Jughead Paradox as the reality of the Riverdale universe in general, it completely changes how you're viewing the show. Which I think is so good. Yeah, it is very fun. So it starts with all the characters that have died so far in Rivervale waking up in bed perfectly fine, but being like, I had this crazy dream that the town sacrificed me and Cheryl pulled out my heart. They literally do it four or five times. (laughs) Every single time the person's like, I just had the strangest dream. I was having a nightmare. Sorry I woke you things. Oh, I was just having this crazy-ass dream. I was having the strangest dream, Reggie. I had the most frightful dream, child. And it's like, we get it. We get it. None of it actually happened. We could have figured that out after the first two dream reveals. (laughs) But what happens is... Jughead is now moving into Tabitha's place, and you're seeing all of these kind of inconsistencies throughout Rivervale, because in Rivervale, Jughead was already living in Tabitha's place, so he's moving out of Archie's and into Tabitha's. It's like, what is going on? But it's more consistent with the end of season five than it is with the rest of Rivervale. It seems like we're out of Rivervale and kind of continuing the season five plot because all of the crazy things that happened in the past four episodes have been just like mixed yeah but from the moment that the episode starts where tabitha's like aren't you so excited for your first day as a teacher at rivervale hi he enters the school and all of a sudden you're in a twilight zone version of the school but it's really like a breakfast clubby twilight zone slash donnie darko slash donnie darko because they're doing like the long the famous long take from donnie darko where they're like showing all the kids and it's past versions of Jughead and Archie and Betty. So they show, like, some scenes from the pilot. They show Kevin, Betty, and Veronica together in their same outfits from the pilot. They show Archie and Miss Grundy together. They show young Jughead. As older Jughead is kind of walking down the halls as a teacher. So he's getting fucked up. He's like, what is going on? He's already a little bit confused about the fabric of this reality. He goes to the teacher's lounge, 
and is being super weird and they're talking about an event that's gonna happen and he's like what event and Archie's like my bachelor party and then it cuts to like Betty and Archie getting real snugly on a little chair because they're getting married and Jughead Jughead I think says the phrase he's like who's getting married and they're like us yeah (laughs) like it's just this super weird like he's so out of it and then betty gets a phone call from dr curl jr and he's like betty i'm so sorry to tell you this but you need to come identify jughead's body and betty is like that is a sick joke you little freak yeah she's like i'm looking at him right now you absolute bozo (laughs) i promise they don't use the word bozo but it felt appropriate so then she gets off the phone and Jughead is like, what was that? Because that was clearly a super weird phone call. And she's like, just Dr. Curdle Jr. with some gallows humor. He said you're dead. Jughead, who has been feeling crazy, is like, I'm going to go investigate that. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes to the morgue and he sees what is clearly his dead body clutching a comic book. He then realizes he owns all of these comics. So he goes home and he's looking through. He has a hundred issues of a comic. The first 95 are called Riverdale. Then there's a big explosion at the end of it. And then the next five are called Rivervale. And he opens the Jughead Paradox, which is episode 100. And it's this great shot of him looking at the comic. And in the comic, it's him looking at the comic. So it's like a little spiral that goes on forever. Yeah, it's incredible. And so he starts looking at all the different comics that he doesn't really even know how he got them. And they're just the events of each episode. It's like a comic book per episode. Except for that he lives in Rivervale. So he's confused as to why it's all called Riverdale and why the events of the Riverdale comics kind of match up, but then there are little inconsistencies. And he immediately decides to tell everyone about it. Yeah, he does a bad job being a sci-fi main character because he immediately goes to every single person and shows them all his evidence. So he like shows it to Archie and Betty and they're like, this is so weird, but this is different. And at first it's lining up really well, but then he talks to Cheryl and he's like, hey, like all this stuff with Jason is so sad. And she's like, what happened with JJ? He's alive. Jason strolls out and is like, Cheryl, let's go play tennis. They're in little white tennis outfits. They get in a car, drive away. But Jughead, it's so funny. He says, that's a defining part of your character. (laughs) So true, Jug. And then Jughead goes and talks to Veronica and she's like, this doesn't make sense. My dad is like the big bad of this universe, but he died at my quinceanera. Yeah. And so Jughead then is like, who is the big bad of our universe then if it's not Hiram Lodge? And he keeps kind of getting more confused and being like, the further back I go in the Riverdale comics, the less I really remember those events. And he, they kind of are realizing that maybe their memories are not as real as they thought. And the other thing is that everyone is alive. So, like, everyone who has died in Rivervale is coming back to life, but kind of not key characters. Like, it's mainly the kids. So, like, Ethel is alive, Dilton Doily is alive, another kid named Ben is alive. It's everyone who died in Riverdale. Yes. Is alive in Rivervale. But, yeah, except for one key figure, Archie's dad, because Luke Perry is actually dead. But there are all these weird little 
like inconsistencies where he sees Ethel who's dead he sees Ben who's this random dude who died at the beginning of the Griffins and Gargoyles plot and they try to remind you who this character is by showing him dying like four times and also Ben to Jughead says the line maybe you hallucinated it yeah maybe I'm just hallucinating all this FYI Daytime hallucinations are a symptom of paranoid schizophrenia. But listen, have an awesome day. And Jughead's just like, okay. <laughs> it's a very funny scene, but they really are bringing back all these characters. Like, a lot of it is not really necessarily adding to the plot, but it is adding to my enjoyment. Except for Dilton Doily, who he goes to because Dilton Doily in this universe is like a rocket scientist. He goes to Dilton, and he shows him all the comics, and Dilton's like, this confirms a theory, and tells Jughead about these two parallel universes that are tenuously linked, River Vale and Riverdale. Dilton Doily explains how the parallel universes work, how the pocket universes work, and Jughead is like, okay, so we have to stop this. And he's like, why would we stop it? It'll kill everyone in our universe if we do what we need to do. Yeah, but clearly there's something wrong with the universe because there were two Jugheads and one of them was strangled. And Jughead's still confused as to, like, who killed his second self. And then in the fun kind of slap-happy part of this, while Jughead is doing all of this investigation and trying to figure out what's going on. And it's very, on, like, sci-fi adventure movie, him uncovering this mystery. They're explaining the science. It doesn't make sense, but you're so caught up in it that it's, like, perfect. Yes. B-plot. B-plot. When Jughead is showing Veronica the comics and she talks about her dad getting killed at her quinceanera, there's this Reggie who's different at the beginning. And Reggie holds up the two comics and is like, there's this Reggie and this Reggie. Both hotties. Both devastatingly handsome. But different. And it's because there was a different actor for the first season of Riverdale. who A different Reggie. And so Maurice and I both were watching this for the first time. We both are like, they better bring back original Reggie. Like We didn't really think it was going to happen. No, I absolutely didn't think it was going to happen. But then... Who walks in the door but original Reggie? So we have two Reggies in the room. It's so good. Like They're I literally fighting. Scream. They both are convinced that they have equal claim to Veronica. Veronica is so horny. She's like, haha, let's be crazy. Who's man enough for me? And then, like, they both, like, want to settle this. Like, both of the Reggies are like, one of us needs to leave. And they're both convinced that they are the real Reggie. And Veronica's like, but what if neither of you left? Ha <laughs> ha. She, like, tries to do a sexy little thing where she, like, makes them drinks. She tries to seduce both Reggies, and they both are like, um, no thanks. They're like, yeah, we don't really want to have a threesome with each other. So then they're trying to figure out who's going to go to the bachelor party and who's going to go to the bachelorette party and what is ultimately decided is that Reggie gets to go to the bachelor party at the casino with all of his friends for Archie. Reggie as in the Reggie we know and love. Yes. Season two onward Reggie. And then season one Reggie gets to go be the stripper for the bachelorette party. Also at the casino with Betty, Kevin, (laughs) and the girls. 
Which is not really how bachelor bachelorette parties are supposed to work. But since they've forgotten that they have, like, other places in Rivervale, I'll excuse it. Yeah, I think it's fair. Everything's fallen apart. And as this is happening, as they're all celebrating, they're now all in pops for the rehearsal dinner, toasting. Tony walks in the door, upset. Cheryl has been strangled, much like Jughead. So Jughead is putting the pieces together. He's like, Rivervale is trying to account for the differences. And that's why this is happening. And we have to kill this universe. And so what he decides is that the explosion that happened in episode 95 of Riverdale, they need to recreate that moment and that'll kill this parallel universe, but give Riverdale the ability to survive. Yeah, basically he realizes that he's not in the original universe. So his plan is that they have to have all of the moments that were happening when the explosion happened at once. They're going to recreate it, and it's going to tear the worlds apart. And so what was happening in that moment, we've said it so many times, Betty and Archie falling into bed. An explosion, that's destruction. So there's love, there's destruction, there's Jughead in the garage writing, that's creation. They say this many times. They really do. They really hammer at home that each of these things are happening. And so Ethel is talking to Jughead and is like, you're going to have to recreate that moment. You're going to have to have Betty and Archie doing that and then like blow them up. And Jughead is like, we can't do that because that's so evil. But he is like, aren't me and Veronica functionally equal to Archie and Betty? Which is, like, great. Like, again, like, I love that they just are saying the tropes and the realities of what they've created. But it's also funny because in the, in the reality of Rivervale, what's happening is that he's possibly going to kill himself and his friend in order to hypothetically separate these two universes. And he just, he, and he's like, we'll recreate the moment exactly. But me and Veronica are close enough to Archie and Betty, right? I think that there's a likely ending where this just makes them get blown up. <laughs> yeah. But, for you know, Veronica really agrees to it. She's, she's like, immediately she, down. And both the Reggies killed each other, so I feel like she's also like, I've been through a lot. Sure, I'll make out with Jughead. Yeah, and Jughead doesn't really want to go to Betty and Archie's wedding because this whole thing is freaking him out. And Veronica doesn't want to go because both her boyfriends just killed each other. So... Jughead is in Archie's house while everyone is supposedly at the wedding waiting for Veronica. The door opens. And it's Archie. So Archie walks in. Archie left his wedding for Jughead. He looks upset. And then he's like, Jughead, you can't do this. I'm the big bad. I'm the person who's been strangling everyone. For all I know, all the secrets of this universe. I was at ground zero for the birth of Rivervale. The moment of creation and destruction the threshold of revelation because he killed veronica so that she couldn't destroy this universe and jughead is like why and archie very earnestly and it makes me sad is like if there's even a chance that my dad is gonna come back like because archie died in this universe he's like i died in rivervale and i came back to life no one ever dies in riverdale if there's even a chance that my dad can come back i will continue to kill people in order to make sure that I preserve this weird pocket universe. Like, which is so sad. And it, it really is sad because Jughead's kind of trying to reason with him. And Archie's like, no, you don't understand. I know it's crazy. 
it's what I'm doing. And then they proceed to have one of the most homoerotic fights in the history of television. Yeah. It's incredible. The fighting is a metaphor for sex. And Archie's in his little groom fit. So I'm imagining that he got up on the altar and then thought, wait, Jughead. I mean, that is what he says, actually. I forgot. Oh, my God. Like, literally what happened is that Archie realized Jughead wasn't at his wedding, realized what was going to happen, was like, I have to leave. I have to go murder Jughead. Yeah. So Archie has the upper hand. He's on top of Jughead. You think Jughead is about to die because he's being strangled when shots ring out. Archie falls onto Jughead. Betty in a wedding dress killed Archie when he was having a gay moment. Betty's standing there with a shotgun. She goes, never leave a Cooper woman at the altar. I love it. Archie kills Veronica. Betty kills Archie. It's like the ultimate Betty Archie Veronica decision. Yeah. It's incredible. And then you're left with Jughead, who just saw his best friend get murdered in front of him. And Betty, who just murdered her almost husband. And then they're like, I guess we'll just have to be the people to make out now. (laughs) You know, the thing you do after you murder your husband and watch your best friend get murdered. In order to save the universe. And so, you know. The kind of sexy music Riverdale likes to play comes on that, that implies their two people are going to make out for a little bit for the CW. Yeah. When there's a, <laughs> there's a little knock at the door. Who's there? Narrator Jughead! <laughs> he goes, oh, there might be another way. <laughs> and then he sits them down and he explains, no one dies in Rivervale, but when you die, you go to the Pops chocolate shop in the sky. And this is where all the comic books have come from. Cut to the cutest little scene that Riverdale has ever done. It's Pop's Chocolate Shop, but it also has all these racks of comic books. And everyone's in cute little, like, faux comic book fits. They're in, like, their actual how they look in the comic books. Like, Veronica has bangs. Yeah. Jughead's wearing his, like, actual crown. And they're really cute, like, little comic fits. They're kind of, you know, 40s, so, like, kind of like the original illustrations. And there's all these racks of comic books, which are the Riverdale slash Rivervale comic books. It's adorable. It also does a classic little uh, Betty, Veronica, Archie all sipping out of a milkshake from Three Straws. It's, like, a perfect little ode to the comic books. And so what narrator Jughead explains is that in order for these universes to split, they actually don't need something as dramatic as the explosion. They're creating the situation where Rivervale can survive while being separate from Riverdale. Yes, you're so right. So the thing that they have to do is Rivervale is powered by imagination. Imagination. <laughs> Riverdale Riverdale is powered by friendship. Rivervale is powered by imagination. No, Riverdale is powered by Archie. You're so right. Riverdale <laughs> is powered by Archie and Rivervale and Jughead to some extent. And Rivervale is powered just by Jughead. Yeah. And together they make Jargie. <laughs> so what happens is narrator Jughead explains that writer Jughead, who is this current Jughead, needs to go barricade himself down in Dilton Doily sex bunker with Ethel. Well, Ethel she's just, she's bringing him little plates of like seven cheeseburgers at once. And basically they can keep River Rail alive by Jughead writing stories. So you now have writer Jughead, narrator Jughead, and then you have the Jughead who doesn't remember any of this. That is when the explosion quote-unquote happens 
what happens at the end of the episode is Betty and Jughead, who were upstairs, Betty in a wedding dress, Jughead in kind of this, like, messy outfit because he's been fighting all day. It's been a, it's been a long day for Jug. They come down the stairs. And all of their friends are there. They're like, what were you doing up there? And they're both kind of like, we don't remember. And then Archie, to demonstrate the fact that, you know, things have been set back to normal, is like, Betty, my wife, would you like this plate of food? <laughs> would you like some spaghetti? <laughs> yeah, spaghetti. They're eating a home-cooked meal for the first time in years. Yeah, they're eating something that's not cheeseburgers for the first time since the show started. One detail we forgot is the great moment where Betty's like, but how will you know which Jughead is which? Like, how do you know which Jughead you have to banish to the sex bunker? And then the Jugheads just, like, in such a condescending moment are like, obviously he's the narrator, I'm the writer, Betty. It's like, (laughs) duh, Betty. But so what happens is that there is a literal Jughead who's just trapped in the bunker writing stories forever in order to power Rivervale, but he chooses to do one last thing, which is that he somehow calls Archie in Riverdale to tell him that there's an explosion under his bed. And so once again, River Vale ends in the same way that Riverdale ended, except now we know that Archie and Betty got out to They're somewhat survive. safety. Yeah, because at the end of season five, it's kind of like, are Archie and Betty going to survive? Yeah. But we now know someone called them, presumably this writer Jughead. From a different universe. From a different universe, called them and told them to get out. Also you're left with this kind of haunting image of Jughead being locked in a bunker, churning out the events of the Rivervale universe. Yeah, and it kind of brings into question, does Riverdale work the same way? Because we know we also have a narrator Jughead in Riverdale. And you see in the first episode of Riverdale that the narration that's being spoken, Jughead is, like, typing into a document because he's writing his novel about it. So it's always kind of been there, but now it's so overt because we know that's the reality of Rivervale. So the question becomes, is is Riverdale being written by Jughead? Yeah. It also feels very the ones who walk away from Omelas, which is that Ursula Le Guin short story which is basically about a town where everyone can be perfectly happy as long as there's, like, one kid who's locked in a basement just suffering, just, like, in horrible pain every second of his life and miserable and never allowed to see the sun. And so, like, the people who walk away are the ones who reject that form of reality. But in this town, it's kind of implying that here, in order for everyone to be happy and alive, Jughead has to just suffer. Yeah, and I feel like that's a lot... Like, River Vale makes it so explicit where it's like, Pops had to sell a soul for this diner to exist, which is this, the only place in town where people can come and feel safe, even though many people have been shot there. <laughs> and Jughead has to spend his whole life locked in this bunker in order for everyone to exist and be yeah. happy. Yeah, they really set up those stakes again of, like, Nothing good is as it seems. I also love it because it's like, there's no consequences, so let's all be crazy. (laughs) There's no consequences. Eh. (laughs) I'm Jughead and Veronica. Let's make out. Let's also kill our boyfriend. You know what? I love that in 
Jughead, you're so right. Like, season six Veronica is ideal, because in Jughead Paradox, everyone else is running around killing people. Veronica's horny. Yeah. (laughs) Veronica literally is like, sure, whatever. It's so funny. She tries to, like, do a little dance in front of the fireplace to seduce Reggie. but yeah i love rivervale i think i feel like it did a really genuinely interesting move to say we're gonna do five insane episodes and we don't give a shit and they're gonna be totally very different and will the consequences matter it's unclear yeah and having started season six it sure is unclear yeah like the immortal spirit of cheryl Makes perfect sense. Yeah. But, like, I do think the weak point was genuinely La Llorona, because I feel like that was just kind of a weird episode that didn't fully make sense, but, like, the town with heart makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, I'm so glad they sacrificed Archie. They really asked the question, what is Riverdale without Archie? And the answer was the next four episodes of the craziest shit that Riverdale's ever done. But, like, sincerely, the Jughead Paradox is... It's such a good episode in how it completely reframes the rest of the show. And it's so fun because, like we talk about often, the show is so afraid to do supernatural things or to let magic exist. And this is the turning point of the entire show. Like, that is one thing that'll carry on to the Riverdale universe is that... Riverdale has finally accepted itself for who it is. We're entering a new age of wonderment. That's so true. I wish that all of the people who hate Riverdale slash are obsessed with hating Riverdale for being a bad show could get the pleasure that they deserve by watching this episode. You have to watch so much of it for this episode to have the payoff, but like the pure ecstasy that this episode of television gave me. The delight I felt when Reggie held up both illustrations of himself and finally addressed the fact that they just replaced the actor, no comment. Like, I just feel like they were able to point out all of the things they've done and be like, yeah, and was it a choice? Maybe not, but we're talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, and I love one thing that we'll put in our little Instagram post is all the illustrations of past events because you see some of the comic books of Riverdale episodes, and all the illustrations are so good, and it really just made me want all these comics. I know. Perfect episode for a perfect show. Yeah, perfect episode, perfect end to this amazing five-episode event, and it really made me so excited for season six. And this is the end of our six-episode event of summarizing all the seasons. We're caught up, baby. But our next episodes of Pod are going to be not focused on specific seasons and instead focused on themes. Yay! Topics. Analysis. And we have a very special treat coming for you. I'm so excited. Yeah. I I love that Archie was sacrificed for the sins of Riverdale and then got to rise a few, like, weeks later. That's literally Jesus behavior. He's so Jesus for that. <laughs> when will Archie be getting stigmata? Dude, how sacrilegious would it be if I made a little crucifix with Archie on it? You have to. Long live Rivervale. And end it with a little scream. <laughs> <laughs>